Hey, it's Big Joe for your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer, Absolute Comfort. Chris Wedekin is the owner, and he tells us why many homeowners are giving up their air conditioners for a high-efficiency heat pump. By removing your air conditioner and replacing it with a heat pump, you are not only saving by getting a higher-efficiency air conditioner, the heat pump works in reverse and saves you money in the wintertime as well. See if a heat pump is the right move for you by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer. Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Let's do the thing. You know, the thing. My name is Jason Hammer. Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige today. And Guy, one of the things that we like to do on Monday is to reset what's happened in the city over the weekend in terms of crime. You bet. Because it wasn't that long ago that your local leaders, they were having a big grab-ass session, high-fiving each other, celebrating it, popping open the champagne. Crime is down. We didn't set a record this year. It was top three, but we didn't set a record this year. (laughs) So here's what we're looking at for this past weekend. Justin Marion County, at least, and we say that because these are the ones that we know about. Right. At least 14 people shot, three people stabbed, four killed. Over the weekend, that's Friday through Sunday, and when you start breaking into the math, when you look at some of the numbers here, Indianapolis is averaging a person shot or stabbed every four hours since Friday. We're on pace for a record number of homicides, Guy. Uh, You heard the news at the top of the hour. It's not just Indianapolis You've got Noblesville having armed robberies at the Subway store, the surrounding areas of Indianapolis. They're seeing a lot of the same stories here. Um, This is not a good start to 2023. It's it's not a good start. And, you know, the the first reaction I always have to numbers like this, Jason, is that it looks to me like Chicago numbers, right? I mean, when you look at those 14 people shot over the weekend, I mean, we're used to hearing those kind of numbers coming out of Chicago, and it breaks my heart that here in the last six, seven, eight years, we've seen this trend. And, yeah, okay, as you said, we didn't set a record last year. Praise God, hallelujah. But we're still having this incredible trend upward. It was not long ago that having over 100 murders was a big deal in Indianapolis. That that was like a a mark we never wanted to hit. And now we're casual, even somewhat celebratory, about hitting 200 just because it's not a record. And you bring up record. It feels like a broken record in the city because it's the same old song and dance. Okay, so we had a story last week about a local version of bonnie and clyde if you want to call it that this guy and this girl they were shooting shots into the neighbor's house they had some dispute with the neighbor so indianapolis law enforcement steps in and because the justice system in this county is so screwed up these people who were firing shots in their neighbor house they basically got slapped with a gps bracelet out on bail and then went back to where they were. And guess what happens? Another shootout happens where a police officer is shot in the leg and the suspect becomes dead. Why were these people allowed to be out on a GPS bracelet that was so easily removed? But at the same time, guy, apparently 60% of the people in the county think that's great. Yeah, right. Because they reelected 
Ryan Mears. They voted for a lot of the same judges, uh, the same policies, the same city councilmen, election after election. So maybe we are in the minority here of thinking that there's a problem. Well, I'll tell you what I would like to see, uh, to identify exactly what problem we're talking about. And it's not just volume, it's who these people are committing these crimes. What I would really like to see, Jason, is is this statistic. For everyone arrested in, in Marion County for a shooting, a stabbing, or any other murder, Okay, what I want to know about that person is what's their criminal history in terms of how recently were they in the criminal justice system, right? What were they in jail for? How did they bond out? What was their sentence? And/or were they out on a GPS monitor at the time they committed the other crime, I, I, the the most recent crime? I would love to see those facts and those statistics because it's going to lend support directly to what we already know empirically is that the people committing these crimes have just been spit back out from the criminal justice system because of that revolving door of criminal justice that we keep seeing in 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 Marion County. You know, we've had Rick Snyder on a million times. You've talked to him. I've talked to him on my show. He talks about that a lot. But we can't seem to get any reform. We can't seem to get any movement on that. Yeah, okay, we're talking about gunshot detection systems. That's great. We're talking about license plate readers. That's great. Some of the technology, throwing money is great. But I want to look at who these people are when they last visited the criminal justice system and who made the decision to let them out and under what conditions and were we why were we comfortable with this person having an ankle monitor as opposed to sitting his butt in jail? Because Invariably, the answer I seem to get is, well, we just don't have room for these people, so we have to spit them back out. That's not an acceptable answer. No. And that's not safe for the the citizens of Marion County. If you need to find a way to put violent criminals away, I think there will be people willing to step up to the table and say, we'll work with you. We'll help you out. Is that building another jail? Is that releasing somebody else that's a lower level Offender. Okay, let's have that conversation. Because Ryan Mears, when he was running for re-election as the prosecutor and the things he says right now, he wants to make it sound like people like us who are really concerned about the crime, you just want to lock everybody up for the rest of their lives. That's not true. We want to lock up violent repeat offenders because I'm betting you dollars to donuts right now. When you see a homicide happen in Marion County, more often than not, it's mugshot on mugshot violence. Well, and that point is very important because when we spit people right back out that revolving door of the criminal justice system, we're not just talking about people necessarily out there who are going to commit crimes. We're also talking about people who are caught up with in beefs. Who knows? Maybe it's drug-related. Maybe it's gang-related. Both. Who knows? But we we're spitting people out that are not only going to commit crimes, but are also available to, available to be murders, murder victims themselves. They're available to be victims. And, and you see those statistics when Abdul crunches his numbers every year. He... he He's, he supports exactly what you just said. This is mugshot on mugshot crime. And when we're putting these multiple bad guys out, yeah, you're the murder victim this week, but you were the you know attempted murder suspect last week because you're caught up in gang activity or drugs or some beef somewhere on the street that's more likely not only makes it more likely not only for you to commit a murder, but also for you to be out there and get murdered. And also, there have been a couple high-profile instances here in Marion County where you can see why nobody wants to talk to the police because they're fearful of retribution when these people get back out there. We had a woman killed in front of a child daycare center. Her crazy ex was allowed to come back out. There was a restraining order. 
Shocking that criminals don't pay attention to the law. She was shot dead. Situation like this, the neighbors called the authorities. They were locked up. Guess what happens? The lunatics come back, and now we've got one officer that's been shot in the leg, and one of those people, not the neighbors, but one of the bad guys, ends up dead. But you had stray gunfire where somebody else was hit. Yeah, and, and you know we keep hearing, whether it's from uh, IMPD leadership, uh, or the prosecutor's office, we keep hearing, well, we need community involvement. We need assistance, you know, from the public to because you know people out there know who these bad guys are and they need to help the police and cooperate with prosecutors and get these people put in jail. Well, a very legitimate question is, if you've just seen, you know, in, in just in your neighborhood, four or five, six, who knows how many violent criminals get arrested, right? And you see them right back out on the street in 24 hours or less, right? And they're and they're in on violent crimes, gun-related crimes. Right. Right. We're not Bad talking about guys. stealing a candy bar. Right. So you've watched this happen right there, you know, among people you know in your neighborhood. You know, I'm talking about Near East Side, for example. You've seen that over and over and over again. Why on God's earth would you be willing to cooperate with police knowing that when you cooperate, if this person has any inkling that you were the one, you know, who dropped a dime, why in the world would you cooperate when you know you're going to see them right back out on the street in 24 hours? Or you what? You're just going to sacrifice your life, you know, or or put your family in, in harm's way? People aren't going to do that, and it's all related. It's all related to spitting bad guys back out of the system, right? With no assurance that they're going to show up for their court dates, that they're not going to commit more crimes, or that we can even keep track of them when they're out on GPS monitoring. You know, we heard testimony there was a bill last year to, to increase funding and resources to actually track these people. GPS monitoring only works if somebody's doing the monitoring. And that's assumed they don't cut the thing off in the first place exactly. like we had in that shootout in Lawrence. But they're supposed to be notified. You're supposed to be a, a, an alarm, an alert that goes out when they cut it off. They're also supposed to know if they're not going somewhere, you know, where they're not at somewhere where they're supposed to be. But if nobody's watching the monitor, Nobody's paying attention to the computer, you know, when it's blinking red next to some dude's name, then that system doesn't work. And that's what we hear over and over again is that Marion County doesn't have the resources to keep track of the people who are out on GPS monitoring. So it's GPS with no monitoring. Right. And I'm waiting for people to start tweeting in. Hammer and Guy said, don't talk to the police. Don't right, yeah, help. Yeah. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that, and officers will tell you the same. You have to be very careful with the justice system in Marion County. As much as you want to help, it could come back to hurt you because of the losers who are running this county. Exactly That's what right. we're talking about. Yep. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Fun football games over the weekend. Like, a lot of people didn't expect them to be close, but some of those games, man, were really fun. We'll talk about them in just a moment. Uh, it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer, Guy Relford in for Big Nige. The Colts nowhere near the playoffs. We kind of knew this was the... Uh, destination of this squad for quite a while guys sitting at home watching meaningful football games but they're doing the coaching search right now they claim they've gone through seven 
coaches with interviews right now. Uh, Bubba Ventrone was first. He was the Colts special teams coordinator. Some of the other names uh, that we've heard that have been interviewed, Eric Bieniemy of Kansas City, their coordinator, uh, the defensive coordinator of the Broncos, uh, the Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who I think is interesting, Raheem Morris of the Rams, couple other names. Are you rooting for anybody in particular to take over the reins of the Colts? You know, uh, usually when we've had coaching vacancies in the past, Jason, I've had somebody that I was rooting for that, you know, that I'm like, ooh, ooh, we got to get so-and-so. I'm not feeling that so much this year. I Nobody's um, I- indicated that, for instance, that Sean Payton's necessarily interested in coming to the Colts and they, they hasn't been interviewed apparently yet. Uh, obviously a great coach, although I'm still mad at him for that onside kick at the beginning of the second half. <laughs> you can't the, be mad at him for that. That's the, all it, it, on the blue and the it, white. Yeah, right. But it, Well, yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, that was heartbreaking. I was at that game 2010 Super Bowl. Oh, I was too. I yeah. was too. Yeah, and that uh man, we we were we were rolling somewhat in that game and that onside kick changed everything. But hey, uh I, I he's fabulous. I'd like to see him. I'm I'm more ambivalent about Jim Harbaugh than an awful lot of other people are. Uh, maybe just cuz I think he's kind of a weird dude uh and 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 doesn't communicate very well uh, how 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 skilled of a coach he is. Hey, you know, did great with a with a 49ers. Obviously, he's taken Michigan places they haven't been in a long time. Uh, got a two year uh, winning streak against Ohio State. When's the last time you saw that out of Michigan? Right. Um, so he, he's accomplished an awful lot. Uh, I, I'm not sure how well that translates to the Colts environment. So, uh, bottom line is, I, I'm not sure I'm necessarily rooting for anybody. I'm intrigued by. Eric Bieniemy, uh, I mean, I, I, I tracked him through his college career. Well, Colorado guy, I think, um, and uh, and he's done great things, obviously, with the Chiefs. But is that because of the talent of the Chiefs' right. offense? Or that or Mahomes because, guy may yeah, have something yeah, to do with that. Well, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but I don't know. I, I'd be happy there. But uh, it's, look, they're sure interviewing an awful lot of people. And man, the Rooney Rule has been well taken care of, and I think that's great as well. And but, that's never been a problem with the Colts. I mean, of yeah. their last four head coaches, half have been African. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and hey, and with great success, right? Uh, as far as going to Super Bowls, Caldwell and, 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 uh, and, and, and Tony Dungy. So, uh, I, I, long answer is I'm not necessarily rooting for anybody, but I'm real curious about how you feel about that. I'm more interested in the quarterback. Yeah. the coach right. find the quarterback and then the coach can kind of ride the coattails this is a big decision on the quarterback you got to go with somebody young we found out today that the ohio state kid cj stroud is entering the nfl draft yep. so that's one question removed because he took it down to the uh boy the last minute there to declare yeah. so if you like him if you like the bama kid or if you like will levis of kentucky I'm not a huge fan of that kid. I I saw him throw three interceptions against the Volunteers. I don't know. These guys know more than I do, but find the quarterback, and then I think the coach be secondary for me. Yeah. Now some of the games this weekend, Great fascinating games. games. Yeah. Uh, that Jacksonville playoff game against the Chargers, down 27 to nothing, and coming back to win. So imagine you're the Chargers. You're up 27 to nothing against Jacksonville. You have a plus five turnover margin. Trevor Lawrence has thrown four picks, and you lose the game. <laughs> like, if Sean Payton's going anywhere, I think it's going to be the Chargers, because there's no way that dude's going to survive that no. choke job. And you're inheriting a pretty solid quarterback, too. But after the game, and this kind of won me over. I'm, like, officially a Trevor Lawrence fan now. 
he went full Florida man. Trevor Lawrence has morphed into like the the strong, long-haired, good-looking dude to Florida man because after the game, the third biggest comeback in NFL playoff history, he, his wife, and a couple of their friends, they partied at the local Jacksonville Waffle House. (laughs) (laughs) him walking in. So imagine you're one of the degenerates sitting at a Waffle House at about, oh, you know, 1130, midnight, uh, depending on what time he got there. And here comes Trevor Lawrence walking through. Just typical Florida man move. I love it. I love it. Although I'm a little surprised he didn't run into Tiger Woods looking for a date. But <laughs> but, 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 but having said that, I, you know what? I, I don't want to like Trevor Lawrence. I mean, here he's just, you know, a, a very great, good, at least at this point, young quarterback within our division. I uh, had a lot of success last two years against the Colts and, and so I don't want to like him but I just like the guy I, I, I he's got a chill attitude doesn't seem to be too full of himself uh, and and always has a smile on his face uh, and and is, is clearly having some success so I don't want to like the guy but I kind of do and, and that's how I feel about Waffle House I don't want to <laughs> like Waffle House but I kind of do I mean I kind of like everything smothered and covered and Hammer and Nigel Records we paid tribute to Waffle House earlier in the year. (laughs) I've been out drinking and I'm thinking (laughs) where can I go because I'm stinking and then it hit me. I know there's a place where people don't wear pants and it's open late. Very true. And I struck out and didn't get laid. So I'm staring at this plate of scrambled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fancy like a Waffle House on a late night. After 13 beers and a bar fight, seeing lots of fat chicks with some tattoos. <laughs> Rowdy drunk dudes with some man boobs, hookers and the convicts in the parking lot. I think I just saw my waitress get shot. Here in Indiana, that's a pretty normal sight. That's what you see in a Waffle House late night. It's the okay. Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop! Calling your arms gun. Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. It is Monday Gun Day with Guy Relford, radio host, 2A instructor, First Amendment attorney at law, and damn fine American guy. How are you? I'm great, man. Thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day. That's Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, or accessories. Check out my buddies at the fort at fortlibertyfirearms.com. So we were talking a little bit earlier in the show about the violent weekend here in Indianapolis. Four people killed since Friday. And even though it's been cold and the weather's been a little rainy, we're already on a record pace for homicides this year in Marion County. 
while we were having that conversation, somebody reached out to you. Yeah, and, and obviously I'm not going to use the person's name, but I really, really respect and appreciate that they reached out to me. And this is someone who's directly involved and has been uh, in the Marion County uh, criminal justice system and law enforcement. And they, they sent me a, a, a very... I think impactful message, and I think people need to understand this. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing it anonymously. Uh, but one, on the topic of keeping criminals in jail, they built the new jail with fewer beds than the old jail. So that big new jail that they built where there was questions about who was supposed to transport people early on with the sheriff's uh, office and the IMPD. That's the building we're talking about. Yeah. They, they built a new jail with fewer beds than the old jail. WTF? Question mark. Um, I yelled about it, but nobody listened. They hold people behind on child support, but let violent criminals out. And this kind of goes back to the conversation we had of, I think a lot of people in Marion County would be willing to trade out folks who aren't violent to lock up folks who are extremely violent. Absolutely. And keep them there. Absolutely. On GPS monitoring, and we've heard this fact um, and discussed it uh, with Rick Snyder as well from the FOP, but GPS monitoring. Indianapolis has the most people on GPS monitoring in the country, not the most per capita, the most. So look at the size of cities like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago. Indianapolis has more people on GPS bracelets total, not per capita, total. Then LA. Let that sink in. Think about that. And then uh, lastly, on getting citizens to help, uh, when, uh, when IMPD or Marion County Sheriff was having neighborhood meetings, um, the people attending were often che- were often checking each other out to decide who was there and whether it was safe to talk, because the criminals attend those meetings too, so they can both give false leads and determine who is helping law enforcement. Oh wow! Isn't that fascinating? So the criminals were showing up to these town hall meetings, trying to find out what neighbors were talking, and then they would give false leads, so that would you know, keep them in the clear. And keep a list of who's in there with a legitimate interest in trying to help law enforcement find the bad guys. You got bad guys attending the meetings. I think that's fascinating. Wow. And again, this is somebody that wishes to remain anonymous, but in the know of what's going on in terms of criminal justice here in Marion County. Yeah, it's a friend of mine, and, and he he was uh, impacted by our discussion and, and the revolving door of the criminal justice system and wanted to give us that insight. And I, I respect that very much. As a friend of mine, and uh, I respect his input. So, Guy, I want to get your thoughts on something that happened in Beach Grove over the weekend. So the Beach Grove Police Department, they have the cameras embedded with them because they're part of the On Patrol Live uh, television show. Mm -hmm. It's on the Reels channel. Uh, Dan Abrams is the host of it. And Beach Grove Police Department, they have cameras following them around. On Saturday night, I believe it was Saturday night, there was a live camera crew there to respond to a toddler with a firearm. And it was, there were, you know, bullets in the firearm. It wasn't like cocked. He was pulling the trigger. Nothing was happening. But this toddler has a firearm, some little boy in diapers, and he's pointing it at his head. He's 
pointing it all around. He's pulling the trigger. Yes. This is a story that's now starting to go viral. The father who was inside uh, has been arrested. I just want to get your thoughts on it here because it feels like there's a lot to unpack. Well, there is. And and first of all, let me say I'm totally okay with this knucklehead getting arrested. I mean, the fact that for, is, is Tyler's wandering around you know, uh, outside on, on his own, the door outside of anyway, the apartment, yeah, is enough of an issue. But dramatically worse is this guy allowed access uh, for this little kid, a toddler, uh, to a loaded firearm? I see. I, I'm not okay. You know, I'm a two way advocate. You know, I defend gun owners, but I got to tell you, I am hard, uh, harsh on irresponsible gun owners, and this is incredibly irresponsible. You know, the definition of felony neglect is where you place a, a child under your care in a, in a situation that places them in danger, right? In, in, in immediate danger. What more could place a, a toddler in danger than allowing them access to a loaded firearm? And, and you're right, this is a gun, according to police, that had a loaded magazine in it, it just hadn't had the the the, um, the slide racked so that there was a round in the chamber. That's why it wasn't going off when he pulled the trigger. A different kind of gun, a gun uh, that either was loaded with a round in the chamber, a, a revolver that where if you pull the trigger, it goes boom no matter what. Any number of other things uh, could have led to an incredible incredible tragedy, including this kid shooting himself. Because as you said, reports were he pointed it at his own face and pulled the trigger. He was pointing it at other people, including police officers. Right. He was playing with it like a toy. He was playing like he doesn't with it like know a any toy. better. He thinks uh, it's a toy. I'm, uh, you know, I I spend my life protecting Second Amendment rights and defending gun owners, uh, but I am okay with this guy uh, being investigated and prosecuted and potentially going to jail because, first of all, that puts all gun owners in a bad light. Secondly, it's going to inspire legislators. I guarantee it because we see these bills every year. They say, "Oh, we need a law." Guys should go to jail if guys you know 17 year old granddaughter is over at at his house who, who could uh, a young lady who could teach gun safety classes who's great with a firearm herself uh but because she's under 18 if i have a if i have a gun on my nightstand while she's somewhere in at my house i should go to jail under a so-called safe storage law well that's obviously ridiculous uh, but some legislator out there is watching this toddler on this video walk around um with a loaded gun going aha there needs to be a law, and they're going to pass a law. They're going to try to pass a law that's going to penalize responsible gun owners and treat us all like this knucklehead who allowed a toddler to have access to a loaded firearm. We kind of hear the same argument with police officers. Police officers hate a dirty cop more than anybody. Absolutely. Because it makes the rest of them look bad. They get lumped into that category, the big same category. Gun owners are the same way. When they see a moron like this, it ticks them off because now they get lumped into the same category of, oh, you're just some reckless two-way barbarian. Exactly. No, there's a lot of people that are responsible, but then you have idiots like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I've seen neglect cases and I've seen um, either crim even criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon cases where a parent did nothing wrong. I mean, there are situations where uh, a, a preteen, for instance, finds the key to the gun safe and gets into the gun safe. Dad had hidden the key. The guns were locked up, which, by the way, was also the situation in the Noblesville Middle School shooting, which still led to legislation being filed going, oh, we got to we got to punish these uh, these parents who, who, who allow access to guns. There are times when kids, you know, defeat all your best efforts to lock up a gun because kids do. I mean, hell, I, I knew what I was getting for Christmas every year for 12, 15 years because I knew exactly where mom hid the Christmas presents. Well, kids find stuff. It's a matter of being responsible 
Um, and, and, and in some situations, people get prosecuted when they shouldn't. But when someone's grossly irresponsible like this and truly endangers a child and others, because this kid's waving a gun around, pulling the trigger, hey, uh, let, let, let's let the criminal justice system play out on this guy. It's Monday Gun Day with Guy Relford here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. So the ATF, they are all in on pistol braces. So the ATF, uh, we were talking during the commercial break, they want to make it look like they're the friend of the uh, responsible gun owner. Uh, They're going to some convention where they want to be buddy-buddy with everybody. But at the same time, Tell me what this pistol brace controversy is. Yeah, you know, for people unfamiliar, it probably doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's a huge deal. And I've seen estimates that Gun Owners of America put out a statistic that there are somewhere between 30 and 40 million of these pistol braces out there that are people are using. What is a pistol brace? Yeah, and, and let me also explain that. A, a brace is something that, first of all, that that for a long time there have been there have been rifle caliber pistols out there, um, where uh, you can have an AR that doesn't have a shoulder stock on it, so it's not a rifle. Therefore, it doesn't have to be registered as a short barreled rifle under the National Firearms Act, even though it's got a shorter barrel. Same with um, uh, shotguns. A brace is something that is designed to attach to a gun where the shoulder stock would ordinarily attach, but it's designed to fit over the forearm of someone, mainly disabled shooters is why they were designed, so that they can more easily shoot that gun one-handed. Gives them an easier, steadier shot. Yes, so they can still still shoot it as a pistol one-handed, but it gives them some support. ATF reviewed these all the way back. Uh, some time ago, 2014, I believe, looked at these and said, 2015, and said, these are legal. They're okay. They they don't make a gun, a short-barreled rifle that has to be registered with the government like a machine gun. Okay, They specifically said they were legal. They reviewed them. They reported this to the manufacturers who were wanting to make them and said, yep, you're good to go. People bought a lot of them because it means you don't have to go through all the bureaucratic red tape to register something as a short-barreled rifle. So with some number of million, and I've seen, again, estimates all the way down at 3 million, all the way up to 40 million, a ton of these exist out there. You go to a, a gun range and somebody's shooting an AR next to you, chances are it's got a shorter barrel and it's got a pistol brace on it. They're just very, very common. ATF just did a 180 and said, oh no, we changed our mind. You may have bought this thing thinking it's legal. You may have it on your rifle thinking it's legal. It's now an unregistered short-barreled rifle, and you need to register it as such within 120 days, or you're a felon. And so they, they are a looking- felon. A felon. So you're, and we're talking about 10 years in federal prison. Good Lord. 10 years is, a, is the top penalty for having an unregistered NFA firearm. NFA meaning- So if you buy something that you thought was totally legal, yes. and you know, you're a busy person, maybe you're somebody like my parents who doesn't follow you know, things on social media all that often, you know, and you're kind of out of the loop sometimes, you could be going to federal prison just because you didn't know. The penalty is the same for having an illegal machine gun. If you have one of these braces on your on your wow. on your pistol that you have not registered, and 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 why a lot of people are upset is because they got a determination. The industry got a specific determination from ATF that these are okay, they're legal, and that's why people went out and bought them and used them. Now, do people use them as stocks? Do people use this as a get around? Yes, they do. But at the same time, they only did that because ATF told them it was legal. Now they're doing a 180, and there are uh, millions, millions of people out there trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do. So if anybody wants to continue this conversation or if they've got questions for you, what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, RelfordLaw.com is the best way to get a hold of me, RelfordLaw.com. Guy Relford, the gun guy. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. 
39 right now at the American Standard Heating Weather Center. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford in for Big Nige. Guy, a couple questions came in from your Ask the Gun Guy segment. Uh, somebody wants to know, is the ATF changing a regulation or interpreting interpreting a statute? Both. They, they issued, after cons- uh, comment and uh, official rulemaking process under the Administrative Procedures Act, they issued a new final rule that interprets a federal statute, and, and specifically interprets the definition of a rifle, uh, which is a, a firearm, among other things, that is fired from the shoulder, intended or designed to be fired from the shoulder. They in, are interpreting that in a new final rule. But it's a it's a regulation. Uh, it, it's going to be published in the Federal Register this week and appear in the Code of Fe- Federal Regulations. All right, coming up next, we've got an update on the Republican House When are we going to find out some of the committee assignments and why is Adam Schiff, Ilhan Omar, and Eric Fartwell melting down? We'll talk about that when we come back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Take some time today to think about what it means. Do a little research. Uh, it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Uh, Guy Relford filling in today for Big Nige. And now that the Republicans control the House... You're seeing some of the folks that have been living like fat cats the last couple of years, Adam Schiff, Ilhan Omar, and their crew of crooked fraudsters crying to the media now, their friends in the media, that they might not have committee assignments anymore. So let's go back to something that happened late last week. Kevin McCarthy was asked about some of the folks that have high-ranking clearance on the Intelligence Committee, i.e. Eric Swalwell. If you got the briefing I got from the FBI, you wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee. And you're going to tell me other Democrats couldn't fill that slot? He cannot get a security clearance in the private sector. So would you like to give him a government clearance? You asked me questions about Santos. You asked the questions about Swalwell. Not only was he getting a clearance, he was inside an intel committee. He had more information than the majority of all the members. Did you ever raise that issue? No, which you should have. You're going to tell me there's 200 other Democrats that couldn't fill that slot, but they kept them on it? The only way that they even knew it came forward is when they went to nominate him to the Intel Committee. And then the FBI came and told the leadership then, he's got a problem. And they kept him on. That jeopardized all of us. So, Guy, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm the biggest Kevin McCarthy fan in the world, because although I like what he's had to say so far, this is the same dude that's signed off on sending my tax dollars everywhere but the United States. Right. Yeah. But I also will never stop somebody when they're crapping all over Eric Swalwell at the same time. <laughs> well, exactly right. And, and you know, and, and we're finally hearing voiced 
some of the things that uh, we've been talking about behind the scenes that, you know, that it's been discussed in the media that we've talked about here on WIBC, um, but we can't seem to get any attention to within Congress. And uh, and at least it feels good to, to hear and see attention being paid to these issues like, you know, a dirtbag who slept with a Chinese spy being on the Intelligence Committee for crying out loud. I mean, you can't make that up. You no. can't make up the fact that you're sleeping with a Chinese spy and you're on the intel committee. If that happened in a movie, you would say there's no way that that would happen in real life. Well, exactly. But again, it's fair, and, and, and Republicans get this criticism, and it is fair, that talking about it and doing something is two very are two very different things. So, hey, we're going to hold them off the committee. Uh, okay. Um, but let's also start looking at some of these other issues like spending, right, and uh, and and. and budget ceilings, spending ceilings uh, that we uh, hear a lot of talk about but don't necessarily see a lot of movement on. So Ilhan Omar, she went crying to her friends in the media over the weekend about the fact that she might not have a gig on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Mentioned nothing about her lengthy history of anti-Semitism, but she was also speaking to her friends, so it was never brought up. What I do want the public to understand is that since I've gotten sworn in in 2019, my first term, McCarthy has been promising to his donors and the Republican base that I should not sit on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Because you're a horrible anti-Semite. That's why. <laughs> that's right. Next what, question. Wasn't it Ilhan Omar who, when she moved into her office in 2018, put up a world map that did not have Israel on it? Do you, <laughs> do you, do you remember that story? And 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 I, I think that's exactly who we're talking about. And she should be on foreign affairs. Uh, you know what? You can do things yourself. Don't necessarily get you disqualified from Congress, like, oh, say, illegally marrying your brother so he can move to the country. Uh, but sep- separately, that can certainly affect your committee assignments. And I think this uh, long history of being an outspoken anti-Semite is certainly uh, something that qualifies. And then, of course, there's the ringleader of this group, good old Adam Schiff. Little pencil neck Adam Schiff. He went running to MSNBC complaining about the possibility of being bumped off the Intelligence Committee. You know, the the tragedy of this is not what he does to me personally. The tragedy is using the Intelligence Committee as his political plaything uh, to placate Donald Trump, to placate Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, to exact revenge, uh, as you point out, for my leading the impeachment against Trump uh, in the first trial. Uh, you know, this is a serious committee. Uh, we've got major challenges facing us with Russia invading its neighbors, uh, with China uh, growing in strength around the world, uh, threatening uh, Taiwan with Iran and its nuclear program. You shouldn't be messing with any committee. You certainly shouldn't be messing with the Intelligence Committee uh, in order to raise money. Uh, and that, that email you showed your viewers, uh, Lawrence, you got to click on a button uh, to remove me from the committee. Uh, you know, this is, you know, juvenile, but it's it's has a serious consequence in terms of the functioning of one of the most important committees in Congress. And again, like the Ilhan Omar interview, nobody asked Adam Schiff about why he wanted to censor people on Twitter for having difference of opinion. That didn't get brought up at all. But the fact that he's crying about keeping his gig on the Intelligence Committee Correct me if I'm wrong here, Guy. We went four years of Russian collusion every single day of the news cycle, and how much of it was true? 
Well, that's exactly right. And that's where I'm going is, is look, we know that the Steele dossier, right? We know that it was a fraud. We know that it was a fake. And we know that the FBI knew it was a fake and undoubtedly reported to the Intelligence Committee it was a fake. And that was used to get warrants on the Trump campaign. It was used to really trigger the whole Russia, 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 Russian collusion hoax that we had to fight over for three or four years in this country. Schiff was right square in the middle of that. He lied to the American people and said, there's evidence, there's substantial evidence that President Trump He said guilty. he had it. He had it. I have evidence. Of, that was a lie. We know it was a lie. Because at some point it was put up or shut up, and he had no evidence. So those kinds of things. Again, I ask, aren't there things you can do or not do as chairman of a committee that should cost you your committee chairmanship or even membership on? The answer is yes, and holding people accountable for things like lying about American intelligence on these issues is something, again, that qualifies. Meanwhile, in Garage Gate, if you want to call it that, the <laughs> classified documents found in Biden's garage next to his bitchin' Corvette that was so, so secretly locked up that anybody with a garage door opener could have gotten into, the House Oversight Chair, James Comer, uh, talked about the classified documents being found in multiple places and how it's a little different than the oh, I don't know, Donald Trump situation where classified documents were found locked up at Mar-a-Lago. At the end of the day, my biggest concern isn't the classified documents, to be honest with you. My concern is how there's such a discrepancy in how former President Trump was treated by raiding Mar-a-Lago, by getting the security cameras, by taking pictures of documents on the on the floor, by going through Melania's closet versus Joe Biden. They're like, OK, you, you're, you're personal lawyers who don't have security clearance. You know, they can go through. They can just yeah. keep looking and keep looking and, and, you know, determine whatever's there. That's not equal treatment and we're very concerned and there's a lack of trust here at right. the department of justice by house republicans that's the outrage it's almost as if the department of justice is a little bit biased guy where are the, the <laughs> where are the 20 fbi vehicles and and fbi agents with with so-called assault weapons you know showing up with a warrant to do the search where where, where are they where are they because keep in mind a president can declassify anything he wants to, right? Question were, you know, things in Trump at Mar in Trump's possession at Mar-a-Lago, were they declassified or not? Did he have to disqualify them before he had them there? You know, uh, oh, interesting questions. But we're talking about a guy who was only vice president, who can't unclassify anything, declassify anything. And he had these things in incredibly sloppy conditions. And I got to tell you, of, of anything in and around my home that I would call the least secure, it, my garage would qualify. Right. So when you arrive to Mar-a-Lago, now that's a place that has a lot of different things going on. They have like an event center. People get married there. It's, you know, places where people can go and stay. You still can't just walk up into Donald Trump's personal space, go into his room, get into the safe and get the classified documents. No. There's a level of security that prevents you from doing that, okay? Exactly. You could walk into Joe Biden's garage tomorrow. You could spray paint the Corvette, and you could grab some classified documents while you're there. It's that easy. Well, and plus, who are the people that were in the house and or the garage with his permission, like, oh, say, Hunter Biden? 
right? <laughs> that, that don't have the, the requisite security clearances and who, and who had access to this information. And, and the more I hear about them, and, and Tony Katz has done a great job on this uh, when I listened to him on the morning news, is that the more we hear about the documents themselves, we're talking about some very sensitive things um, that, that really could put American lives at risk in terms of, um, uh, of intelligence that we can't have leaked. That's why they're classified. And the fact that they were treated this way and the incredible hypocrisy that's come out of, 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 of the left's reaction to this when Biden did it, even though he was only vice president, even though the conditions were much less secure. is, is it, I started to say mind-boggling. No, it's not. It's predictable. But you still got to look at it and say that the, the, the level of hypocrisy is almost unprecedented. It is interesting, though, that a lot of folks who have carried his water before are slowly starting to turn. And it almost, you know, past the tinfoil hat over here, feels coordinated. Here is Jake Tapper of CNN. But that looks like a mess. That's worse than my garage. (laughs) That's worse than my garage. I mean, that's not where, I don't know exactly where the documents are in that garage, but that does not look like what a secure location would be. You would have never heard Jake Tapper say something like that during the campaign. Let's say all of this happened during the campaign. Jake Tapper would have never said that. But again, tinfoil hat. I've got it on my head. It fits snug. It almost feels like this is their chance to get rid of the guy before the next election. Yep. Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? So this is how it's going to work today. I'm going to run some stories by Guy Relford, and he will tell us if these stories are anything or not. We start with this. A Texas high school football coach on leave after some of his players needed medical atten- attention Some were hospitalized because Coach John Harrell had them do 400 push-ups during the workout. 400 of them. Here is the captain of the team, Brady Luff, and his mother defending the coach. He's treated us with nothing but respect, and he loves every single one of us like his own. So if anything was going on with this situation that I thought these kids were being harmed, I would have been the first person up at the principal's office or wherever I need to go to have this shut down. Just anything? Yeah, it, it is something. You know, I, uh, as you did, played high school football. And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, certainly when I played, I graduated in 1976 from Carmel. I think coaches treated uh, athletes a little differently. I think they were probably real rougher on us physically, um, although we weren't the quality of athletes they have today. But even back then, I think under a different standard, you know, a lot of coaches back then were still being influenced by, you know, the image of Vince Lombardi and, you know, some of these old Bear style. Bryant. Yeah, and, Bear yeah. Bryant, these tough guy coaches that, you know, that, that, that our coach used to tell us that everything is about staying low as, an, as a lineman, right? Stay low, stay low. And there were times I'd stand up a little too high during a drill and a coach would say, you know, south of the Mason-Dixon line, they'd hit you with a tuba for for standing up like that you know and so you, you just had that little bit of that mentality but i don't care what the era is we're talking about when when kids actually have to go to the hospital 
and, and and as the report says, some did, then then I think that's excessive. And and what what is is interesting to me, and again, you know, I, I'm I'm not for coddling our youth. We do way too much of that. I think that's responsible right. for a lot of the ills. You in and society. I played high school football when water breaks were frowned upon. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a sign of weakness, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, we sweat so much they give us salt pills. Uh, you know, <laughs> how ridiculous was that? But um, but where, where it requires hospitalization, I think no matter what area you're from, uh, that's something I think we want to take a hard look at, and I think uh, is something there. Uh, but at the same time, what I'm interested in is the context. Were these guys just working out, trying to get in better shape, or was this a punishment? And and you know a lot of times you have a lousy game, guys make too many mental errors, you know whatever, you know then coaches will you know we used to run all, all the time, all right, you know offsides, everybody run, and so you got to go do four four forties or something because somebody jumped offsides. Run the lines, which was awful. Oh, the lines, I hated the lines. Um, but so what was going on? It was this an, just an excessive workout when he's trying to make them better athletes, get in better shape, or were they being punished for something? Because I think it's worse if this was some sort of punishment that went all the way to the point where kids had to be hospitalized. Got time for one more here. Is this anything? A 14-year-old Boy Scout from Minnesota, where last time I checked, it gets pretty cold in the winter, <laughs> making headlines because he has slept outside for 1,000 consecutive nights. Here is Isaac Ortman and his dad talking about sleeping outside in the cold in a Quincy, which is like a snow cave, 1,000 consecutive nights. Why not sleep outside? This is a Quincy. It's just another form of a snow cave. I mean, my dad went up to our cabin and I slept outside all five days. And I challenged my scout group to sleep outside for longer than me. I'm just really proud of him. He's made some good decisions in his life and he's doing awesome. And uh, yeah, I'm here to support him for as long as he wants to go. That anything? Yeah, man. I think it is something. I think it's awesome. This kid, you know, he's outside. I I assume they built this snow cave themselves a thousand consecutive nights in Minnesota for crying. Right. It's not I'm, like this is like Miami. This is Minnesota. Exactly. And you know what this kid's not doing? I, mean, I don't know if he had electricity in his snow cave, but I'm guessing he's not sitting out there playing Xbox. Or, you know, right. Or, I think he more than likely um, has has more productive things to do, and particularly uh, finding ways to keep warm. But I think it's fantastic. I think that's really neat. The kid that slept outside in Minnesota for a thousand nights thinks those kids that had to do 400 push-ups are all wimps and wussies <laughs> in Texas. A good point. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. The Hammer and Nigel show. Let's turn on 93 WIPC. All right, let's have a demonstration. We are rolling on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford is here filling in for Big Nige, and I don't want to waste any more time. I want to get right into it. I want to check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. We're going to have economic intercourse. You know the, you know the thing. You know the thing, and right now, Guy, the thing are classified documents. And Joe Biden arriving back at the White House today after a very, very rested vacation that he took in Delaware again. uh, He arrived on the chopper, and instead of doing the classic chopper presser, 
He just walked and shuffled his old carcass back inside the White House. These were the reporters yelling out the questions that he ignored. Mr. President, are you sure there are no more classified documents? So he just walks by. He kind of turns his head at one point. He hears the questions, but he doesn't want any part of answering those questions. Say what you wanted about Donald Trump. Did he do everything right all the time? No, but he would walk up and down that line and take question after question from, I'd say 90% of the reporters that hated his guts. He would stand there and face the music. Well, no, exactly right. And and here, um, you know, how many times have we seen this same scene? The guy is, is walking across the lawn to or, or from the chopper. Jill's sort of steering him. How many times have you heard that? I've seen the Easter Bunny steer him before. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. After he was trying to shake hands with fictional people and not the Easter Bunny. No. I mean, invisible, invisible fictional people. Invisible people. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, and here he is. He's shuffling along, kind of uh, looking incoherent, unaware of his surroundings, but then refusing to answer questions. Uh, for obvious reasons, because we even heard from the White House press secretary, you know, what Jean Pierre, they, they said, said, "Oh yeah, the search is complete. We know everything there is." Next day, more documents. More documents are found. So Peter Ducey, who covers the White House for Fox, he spoke to some members of the Republican House of Representatives. They have the majority now, and he has figured out what exactly they're looking for. In terms of uh, what Republicans on the Hill are asking for, a record of who may have been in the Wilmington residence and potentially had access to the areas where these documents were found, it does not appear that that exists. Uh, It would have to be done, it sounds like, retroactively. So how do you think the news cycle would look if the Intelligence Committee you know, the Democratic-led Intelligence Committee of a couple of years ago said, all right, we want to log if anybody that's been inside of Mar-a-Lago and Trump just shrugged his shoulders. I don't think it exists. I mean, heads would spin around and be DEFCON 1 on every news network. But Joe Biden says it. Ah, he's just got dementia. He's okay. Well, exactly. And keep in mind, too, that you know, who we know had access to his house includes one Hunter Biden who got bribed essentially a million dollars to sit on a Ukrainian energy company when he knew nothing about energy, who's got repeated contacts with Russian officials, with Chinese officials. This guy should not, could not pass any form of, of, of security clearance check under anybody's standards, and he's wandering in and out of this house while also suffering from drug problems. At the same time, self-admitted because he's done interviews to try to sell a book. He wrote a book exactly, so we're not making this up. It's from his own mouth, and 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 for him to have access compared to, you know, a very secure facility where documents are locked up at Mar-a-Lago. And again, I'm not making excuses for anything Donald Trump did wrong. Uh, I've said all along, if if he broke rules, okay, should be accountable. But it doesn't seem to compare in any way, shape, or form to what we're seeing as the disaster in the Biden garage. So I believe we're going to try to have Representative Jim Banks on on Wednesday. And there are questions that I have that I think a lot of people have. Who made the decision to not tell the American people that this was taking place six days before the election? Who made that call? Because if that was Ronald Klain, then we're going to have to have uh, an ethics committee get involved here. Uh, Biden's personal lawyers, they were the ones that found some stuff. 
why are they looking for it? They don't have the clearance. And why weren't lawyers without clearance in his house in the first place? It's not enough that they found it and don't have the clearance, but why were they looking for it in the first place? Well, that's the question I have. What prompted them to go look? Because if now there's evidence that surfaces that Biden illegally, and I don't think there's any question based on all the, the laws that we were discussed and reviewed in the Miralago context, if he had illegally had classified documents in his home, and there's some indication of that, you know, compare, you know, 20 FBI vehicles pulling up with people with submachine guns running in there with warrants compared to, oh, say, if Donald Trump's own lawyer showed up and said, gosh, you know, at your convenience, we'd kind of like to look around and see what we might find. How dramatically different is that? Right. So it wasn't a good day on the microphone today for Joe Biden. Not that any day is great when he gets on the microphone and he starts addressing people, but today was a struggle bus. So he was speaking about the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. And he's at this event, I believe it was at a church. And he tries to bring up the name of the newly appointed Supreme Court Justice, Kentonji Brown Jackson, the first African-American woman who's ever been a Supreme Court Justice. Her name, again, Kentonji Brown Jackson. Those are the words of Kajan, Kajan, Katanji Drown Jackson, our Supreme <laughs> Court Justice. And what's great is if you have access to like the transcripts that the White House has to put out, Kajan, Kajan, Katanji Drown Jackson. Those are the words of Kajan, Kajan, Katanji Drown Jackson, our Supreme Court Justice. Kentanji Drown Jackson. And if you watch the video, like everybody in the church is kind of looking, but they feel obligated to clap because he's trying to do the right thing. He's just a senile old bastard. Was the justice there during this? Was I, she was she there? I didn't see her in the video clip. Okay. I don't know yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Um, but not to be outdone. That might not even be the, the worst part of the day. So Joe Biden was at another uh event. This is one where Al Sharpton was there. Again, it was a Martin Luther King Day celebration. And MLK III's wife was there. And Joe Biden wanted to sing happy birthday to MLK number three's wife. And he straight up forgot her name. Now, her name is Andrea Waters King. Take a listen to how Joe Biden uh, performed happy birthday. Well, look, my wife has a rule in her family. When somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Here it comes. Happy birthday, dear Alan. Happy birthday to you. I have watched that damn video about 20 times today. Again, her name is not... Valva. Her name is Andrea Waters King. And it reminded me of the scene in Seinfeld where Jerry didn't know his girlfriend's name and called her Mulva. Oh, that's terrific. Mulva. <laughs> Valva. What? Mulva? <laughs> Mulva? You don't know my name, do you? Yes, I do. What is it? It, it rhymes with a female body part. <laughs> what is it? 
Malva? <laughs> That's Joe Biden. He's Jerry Seinfeld right now. So let's kind of mash the two together. This is Joe Biden trying to get <laughs> Andrea Waters King name right with Jerry Seinfeld calling his girlfriend Malva. Happy birthday, dear Alvin. Malva? Alvin. Malva? Alvin. Malva? Happy birthday to you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. 41 at the American Standard Heating Weather Center at 93 WIBC. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Those goofy bastards are just about the best thing I've got going in this crazy world. 93 WIBC. Coming up just a little bit after 5 o'clock, Joe Biden speaking on guns today, Guy. feel like that's something that you may have an interest in. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up just a little bit after 5 o'clock. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford is in for Big Nige. There's a trend going around on TikTok of people sharing their hypothetical final death row meal. Because before somebody gets executed on death row, they're given a final meal of their choice. And it's a trend on TikTok. People are coming up with items like Chick-fil-A, salsa chips, Dr. Pepper, nerds, candies, all types of different things. You have actually talked about this before. Oh, actually, I, I've been talking about this for years. It's just something uh, in a, in that um, with, with my buddies, my wife and I talk about it now. You know, we'll talk about, you know, we'll talk about, we're, let's say we're out, we're having something that's just fabulous. We'll say, oh my God, it's one of the best things I've ever eaten. We'll go, ah, but does it make your death row meal? Oh. Where, where the idea being, if you can have anything, no limits. You can have anything and any combination, doesn't have to be from one restaurant. You know, you could have this thing from this restaurant and this other thing from that other restaurant. So it's death row, so you get to pick. You know, not that it really works that way, but under the hypothetical, that's how we do it. And uh, yeah, I've got like a running list of uh, what's on my death row menu. So what is it? Well, I, way way at the top of the list are uh, fillet sliders from Harry and Izzy's. Okay. Oh yeah, way up there. Uh, shrimp cocktail from uh, from Saint Elmo, definitely up there. Shapiro's strawberry cheesecake. I didn't hear anything from White Castle on there. No, no, definitely not. Um, although, you know, I, I am dying the next day, so it's part of the concern about White Castle, you know, <laughs> d- d- doesn't necessarily Give apply. him a little something to clean up. Absolutely. And, and, and my own my own handmade secret recipe, uh, garlic cheesy mashed potatoes that I make uh, for, okay. for most holidays. Th- those are some of the front runners right there, but, but we're, we're revising it, tweaking it all the time. I love that. And as you guys know, I want to start a death channel where we have <laughs> pay-per-view executions. We show funerals from around the country because I do think there's a market for it. And based off of this, we need to have a cooking show where we have somebody come in there and he's making final meals for people. See? I'm telling you, the channel is growing. That are real death row meals for real people on death row. Right. We have our own house chef, you know, and he becomes one of these famous chefs. Boom! Pow! He's got a catchphrase. (laughs) I'm telling you, just need some backers. I love it. Uh, Today is uh, Martin Luther King Jr day schools were closed a lot of places having specials and deals in his honor i know the children's museum was free today the uh, museum at the motor speedway was free earlier today here is comedian chris rock and his classic bit about the late great martin luther king i didn't know nothing in school all i knew was martin luther king that's all i ever teach you in school about black people martin luther king that's my answer to everything martin luther king What's the capital of Zaire? Martin Luther King. 
Uh, can you tell us the name of the woman that would not leave her seat on the bus? Ooh, that's hard. Are you sure it was a woman? Oh, I got it. Martina Luther King. <laughs> you know what's so sad, man? You know what's wild? Martin Luther King stood for nonviolence. Now it's Martin Luther King. A street. Where you in America? If you're on Martin Luther King Boulevard, there's some violence going down. <laughs> You can't call nobody and tell them you lost on MLK. I'm lost. I'm on Martin Luther King. Run! <laughs> Run! Run! Chris Rock's tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, also today, 88th birthday to four-time Indy 500 winner, A.J. Foyt, Super Text, the first four-time winner. And I think what we need right now are some words of wisdom. Hammer and Nigel present Words of Wisdom with A.J. Foyt. It was Jeff Andretti that got... Well, yeah, he's all over the goddamn track. You don't know where in the hell he's going. Kept from knocking him through the goddamn wall. I'm tired of this shit. Got people out there that shouldn't even be in the goddamn race car. Words <laughs> of Wisdom with A.J. Foyt. 88 years old today. When we come back, we've got Joe Biden talking about guns. Guy Rofords here. We'll get his thoughts. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is out. The gun guy, Guy Relford, in today. So earlier today, when he wasn't butchering the name of a Supreme Court justice or not knowing the name of someone he's singing happy birthday to, Joe Biden speaking at a couple different Martin Luther King Jr. events. And it didn't take him long to transition from a peaceful message of equality to gun control and anti-police rhetoric. I mean, it went pretty quick here. So here is Joe Biden talking about guns in his Martin Luther King Jr. speech. I'm going to get assault weapons banned. I did it once, I'm gonna do it again. There's no social redeeming value. Deer aren't wearing Kevlar vests out there. What the hell you need a assault? No, I'm serious. And ban the number of bullets that go in a magazine. There's no, no need for any of that. I love my right-wing friends who talk about the tree of liberty is water with the blood of patriots. Give me, if you need to work about taking on the federal government, you need some F-15s. You don't need an RAR-15. I'm serious. Think about it. Think about the rationale for this. It's about money. I'm going. So first of all, if you bought a case of beer for every time he's made that stupid deer and Kevlar joke, you could open up your own liquor store. But there's an awful lot to unpack there, guy. And I look at your face. You don't look like a happy man right now. Well, it, it gets so old. And, 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 and when he gives that speech... 
you know, every single one of his points, uh, you know, are so easily refuted. And it just makes me wonder why his handlers don't take him aside and say, you know, what 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 you're saying is simply ridiculous. Whatever credibility you might cling to disappears more every time you make this speech. I mean, you know, the Second Amendment is not about hunting deer. It never has been. You know, when 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 the founders of this great country wrote the Second Amendment, um, they weren't hearkening back to the beginning uh, of the Revolutionary War when Paul Revere ran through the countryside saying, the deer are coming, the deer are coming. Now, the people that would argue against that say, well, the Founding Fathers also were talking about muskets, not big, strong pieces of, you know, firearms. They were talking about the, the, the most modern technology of the day, the same technology used by the Standing Army. And with that analogy, that metaphor, that's exactly what we're talking about here. And, and, and you know, and this idea that, well, you know, you could never stand up to the, you could never stand up to tyranny uh, because we would simply pummel you with our technology in the military. You know what, you know, you know me and you and I both, Jason, have unlimited respect for the United States military, but we, we, we fought a year for over 20 years. We fought a war, I should say, for over 20 years against 20,000 guys with rifles in Afghanistan. And we ended up leaving. And, and that's because fighting against an indigenous population is incredibly difficult. No no longstanding war against an indigenous population has ever been successful from Vietnam to Afghanistan and otherwise. How about taking on 100 million gun owners in America versus 10,000 guys in Afghanistan? And again, I'm not saying it ever comes there. I'm saying what the motivation of the founders was in protecting our right to bear arms. And that's to, and that, and that's to, to protect uh, a free state and a free state is standing up to tyranny. But but every time he gives that speech, it's just it's just so old and tired and ridiculous um, that not only it makes me me angry, but it, but it makes me frustrated that he keeps rolling it out, bragging about how the government yeah. would just own the people is exactly why the Constitution was written the way that it was. It, it, exactly right. You know, necessary for the security of a free state. Uh, those are the words. That's why we need a Second Amendment. And the fact that, that he would roll his eyes at that and mock that, talking about deer, just tells you how out of touch this dude really is. He does that damn deer joke at every major speech, whether it's MLK, whether it's State of the Union, campaign, debates. He thinks it's still fresh. Oh. Like when we play a repeat of Hammer and Nigel Records, we tell you. Like Joe Biden still thinks it's fresh and funny and people haven't heard it. He's everybody's senile uncle and grandpa at this point. Well, that's right. And he says things like, well, you know, there's a limit of three or five rounds, depending on state, when you go duck hunting. And so, my gosh, we do a better job of of protecting ducks uh, than uh, we do humans in this country because of the high capacity magazines that we have. And he's again, he's talking about duck hunting. And, And I always laugh at that one, roll my eyes and say, Mr. President, the ducks don't shoot back. (laughs) there's a there's a very legitimate distinction between what we're talking about here right it's just it's the same old bs and 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 it's tiresome and and listen if he thinks he can pass an assault weapon ban in this congress or before even the democrats show him the door or the voters do generally in 2024 got news coming not not in the next two years you're not not with a republican-controlled house and not was still requiring 60 votes in the Senate. So assault weapon ban isn't going to happen. It's going to happen after that. I sincerely doubt it. But if it would, which I don't think it ever would, if it would, this Supreme Court would snap it into like a twig. Because this Supreme Court, especially since the Heller decision, which did not exist in 1994 when he and his Democrat cronies passed the first assault weapon ban, the Supreme Court of the United States has spoken very clearly. Say, 
weapons that are commonly used for lawful purposes uh, are protected by the Second Amendment. That law didn't exist in 1994. It exists today. And it squarely, clearly protects something like an AR-15 that, in fact, is the most commonly used and owned rifle in America. And shortly after talking about gun control, he shifted to being very passive aggressive against the police department. Now, first of all, I think it's very insulting to have this type of speech pandering to the black audience because it's a Martin Luther King Jr. speech. There are black people who like guns. There are black people who support the police. As a matter of fact, the majority support the police. So it's kind of insulting to do this type of speech pandering, thinking you're going to get some cheap applauses out of it. Uh, But take a listen. Joe Biden saying that we have to retrain law enforcement. We have to retrain cops. Why should you always shoot with deadly force? The fact is, if you need to use your weapon, you don't have to do that. And look, to call a fresh approach to recruit and how we recruit, how we hire, how we train, how we promote, and how we retain, retain law enforcement. So Joe Biden thinks that when it's chaos and there's a bad guy trying to kill you, it's a, ch- a cop's job to just try to shoot him in the leg or the foot. Like, and then you're going to say, well, we have a problem with recruiting. Well, hell, I wonder why, Joe. With that type of response, I wonder why. Well, that's antithetical to, to uh, everything that police officers are trained uh, or should be trained. Frankly, it's antithetical to how I even train civilians and how I've been trained. Because, listen, the gun, the gun doesn't come out of the holster, right? It doesn't come out of the holster unless you're faced with the need and the and the legitimate right and the justifi- justified right to use deadly force because there's a threat that threatens you or others with serious bodily harm or death. That's a standard. So once you meet that threshold and you're now being faced with serious bodily injury or death, do you want to try to shoot someone in a leg in the middle of in a, in a, you know in, in an incredibly tense situation in a situation where your your adrenaline's pumping? Absolutely not. Besides, by the way, shooting someone in the leg is deadly force. If there's a gun involved, it's deadly force. Second largest blood vessel in the body is in your leg. You get shot through the femoral artery. Unless you're in the emergency room, you're going to die. What's going to happen to that Lawrence shootout? That guy and woman in Lawrence shooting at the cops. You shoot him in the leg. You think he's going to stop? Well, exactly right. Or, or let's even say, let's, let's take it back, you know, to my my heroic client Elijah Elliott in the Greenwood Park Mall. Okay, he's 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 across the mall. He's got to make a shot from forty yards away. He's thinking, oh, wait a minute, the president tells me I have to make a leg shot from 40 yards away while the guy is walking through the food court <laughs> murdering people with an AR-15. You don't have to use deadly force. Shoot him in the leg. First of all, he's shooting people with an AR-15 in the food court. He's murdering people. He's mowing them down. He's killed three people in a matter of, 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 of literally 15 seconds. Are you going to now try to make that shot and shoot him in the leg, or do you end the threat and save innocent lives. You do the latter. And when you end the threat, you do that with extreme prejudice. You do that in a way that this is the most effective way to end the threat. Now, if you are never justified, police officer, civilian, anyone, if you're never justified in using deadly force, that doesn't mean you don't pull your gun and do something idiotic like shoot someone in the leg. It means the gun never comes out of the holster. Right. And that, that's the point. And, and that's like law enforcement 101. You don't draw your weapon unless it's absolutely needed. 
Yeah, well, that's and you don't consider any use of force with a firearm unless deadly force is justified, is I guess the way I'd put that. And so it's idiotic. It just shows you, again, how often do we use the term out of touch with this guy? It's just continuous. But it shows you how out of touch he is with reality and with law enforcement, and it's particularly the use of force protocols used appropriately by U.S. law enforcement all across the country. And to pander to the audience right there, somebody in Biden's inner circle said, all right, we're speaking to a group of African-Americans today. We're going to bash the police and we're going to bash guns. That's really going to win us some points. How insulting is that? Like, I don't know who's dumber, Joe Biden or the people who are pretending to be Joe Biden, the people that write his scripts, that write his speeches. This is the same idiot that said, if you want to scare away an intruder, you fire a couple shots up into the air. Oh, buy a shotgun. Yeah, we even said, get, it goes to the next step. It's, it's, I still am just, I, I, and I, and there are some great parodies, by the way, out on uh, YouTube and whatnot of this. One set to music, which is beautiful, but he says, no, I tell Jill, if we have an intruder, because we're in kind of a rural area, I say take a double-barreled shotgun, take, go out on the balcony on the second floor and fire two blasts into the air. <laughs> Fire two blasts because then you're going to scare anybody off. Okay, if you have a double-barrel shotgun and you've just fired two shots, what do you now have? You have a club because it's empty, okay? You've also told the intruder where you are. If the intruder intruder can see you, they know you have a double-barreled shotgun that's now empty. You have an empty gun. You've fired rounds into the air. Depending on what kind of shotgun shells you have, say that's uh, something big like a slug or double-lot buck, those projectiles have to come down somewhere. Right. Where are those bullets landing? Which is criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon. So you've just committed a felony. You've unloaded your firearm. You told the bad guy where you are, and that's Joe Biden's uh, recommendation for home defense. Brilliant. He wants you, the officer, to shoot the bad guy in the leg when he's trying to kill you. That's right. But when he's home alone, he's like Tupac in a video, just firing his gun up right, in right, the right. air. Yeah, exactly. Officer shoots in leg, bad guy says ow, and shoots officer in the head. That's brilliant. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Guy Relfort's in for Big Nige. I'm Jason Hammer. So, Guy, would you continue to do your law practice, to do your firearms training, if you won that $1.35 billion Mega Millions? Somebody won it, somebody in Maine, but if you were to win it, would you continue to be the gun guy or would you be the rich guy and say goodbye to everything? You know, that's a tough one because I really love what I do. At the same time, I'm 65 years old. So so that's a, that's a tough one. I, you know, I mean, I, I'm a sole practitioner, although my son helps me out a little bit. I think... I think I would uh, to I would build a really spectacular, nice office, bring my son in full time, transition my practice to him so he can carry on uh, the Relford family defense of the Second Amendment, uh, and then uh, build some just ridiculously spectacular place or places, uh, you know, on a beach and in the mountains and uh, who knows where else. But I I think I would transition out of working at this point, uh, but making sure my clients were well taken care of in the process. Someone in Maine won the jackpot, $1.35 billion. Uh, They have not come forward yet. I've never been to Maine. Have you been to Maine? Yeah, I had a great trip through Maine. It looks like it'd be a beautiful place to go to. Oh, it's fabulous. I mean, way back when, 
I uh, went out to, uh, it was a girl I was dating, and she was doing some training in Hartford, Connecticut, so I rode a motorcycle out there. I rode a Harley out there to Hartford, and then I went all the way up through Massachusetts and on up into Vermont, New Hampshire, and then up into Maine, uh, did the Martha's Vineyard thing, um, and uh, and just rode a Harley around, and it's just unbelievable. The ski area of Vermont is astonishing, but Maine's beautiful. I, I loved it a lot, and I, I'd love to do that trip again sometime. You know, there's a lot of places that I have not gone. Like, I keep going to the same places. Like, I like what I like. I like going to Florida. I like going to Vegas. Um, You know, it's just, I'm a creature of habit. But places like that, like, I wouldn't mind seeing Maine. And if anybody's been to Maine, uh, hit us up on social media, at Hammer and Nigel. Uh, Did you like it? Is it worth the time? Like, Delaware, aside from Biden, looks like a beautiful place, a beautiful part of the country. That's another place that I've never been to before. Yeah. Oh, no, it, it's fabulous. And, you know, I saw one of the social media things, you know, people post and they put, you know, like put a check or whatever next to the every state you've been to. And I've been to every state in the continental U.S. I've not been to either Alaska or Hawaii. But you know what I did? I was I was talking to my wife about this. Is, is I, What was fascinating to me is going down through that list of 48 states, I'll bet a good 25 or 30 i've only been to on a motorcycle it's just because you know i've done a lot of cross-country trips over the years right um i took half a summer between yeah when uh, you were doing this did you have hair back then oh man i had a lot of hair oh man in fact me and a big strong guy relford on a harley hair flying in the wind driving up through the coast save some chicks for the rest of us Uh, well no (laughs) i had a lot of hair but uh but it was so much fun because it's a great way to see the country you kind of feel like you're part of the country as you're rolling through it and and that's been a big part of my life for a long time. But you mentioned Maine. That, that's how I saw Maine, man, was on the back of a Harley. So on Saturday night, some people were watching, you know, the NFL playoff games. But I know Guy Relford was tuned into the Miss Universe pageant. <laughs> um, he never misses it. Year in and year out, you can always count on the gun guy <laughs> watching the Miss Universe yeah, pageant. Yeah, always. Um, Rabani Gabrielle, she's from Texas. Uh, she was crowned Miss Universe. Now, maybe I'm the Lone Ranger here, but every time I see these pageants, whether it's Miss America, whether it's Miss Universe, for me, the first thing I always think about was, God bless her, that young lady that was the train wreck from South Carolina, the Miss Teen South Carolina, about 10, 15 years ago. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps. And uh, I believe that our education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and (laughs) I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. uh, or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries. So we will be able to build up our future for our children. Thank you very much. <laughs> How do you indict the entire U.S. educational system in 30 seconds? That, that that's, that's what that was right there. Like, at that point, like, you've got to just say hey, buzzer. Like, five seconds in, I know it's not your lot of time, but I don't want you to embarrass yourself anymore. Here's the buzzer. So you've got A.C. Slater standing up there with some other woman that's hosting it, Mario Lopez, and they're just nodding their heads. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> sure. Now, we can laugh at this. But at the same time, there are people in Congress 
that are just as dumb. When you compare AOC to Miss Teen South Carolina, there's not a lot of difference. The trampling of indigenous rights is a cause of climate change. The, the trampling of racial justice is a cause of climate change because we are allowing people and we are allowing ourselves to make sure to we are allowing folks to deny ourselves human okay. rights and deny people the right to health care, the right to housing and education. I personally believe <laughs> that U.S. Americans are unable to do I so. I mean, they sound because, similar. Because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have that. They could and, switch uh, jobs that our ed- and nobody would like miss a beat. South Africa nobody. and Okay, uh, James, Iraq, you can turn that like down. Sasha James is our producer today. Um, before we get into the news here, let's do a round of Ask the Gun Guy. We've got Guy Relford here, and here's what we're going to make him do. Free legal advice. He's not going to get paid a damn thing for this, and he's going to sit there and like it. <laughs> so if you've got a question for Guy Relford about guns, 2A laws, what you can and cannot do in certain situations. Now is the time to take advantage of the best 2A lawyer in the United States. 239-9393. We're going to play Ask the Gun Guy, okay? Your questions, all we ask is that you make your questions quick, brief, and to the point. 239-9393, your gun questions, situational questions, answered by Guy Relford, coming up right after the news. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Hammer and Nigel Show. I thought that was really good. Nope. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. All right, let's get into it. We've got Guy Relford here, the best 2A attorney in all of America, and we're giving you access for free. You don't even have to sign a retainer for his services right here. He's passing out his wisdom for free. Uh, let's go to Tracy. Tracy, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show, Tracy. We've got Guy Relford here. Go ahead. Good to talk to you. Um, appreciate everything you do. I'm a uh, 2A project member. Been to your gun class. It's awesome. Highly recommended for anybody that's out there with a gun. Um, quick question. I got a buddy that, uh, kind of got into some, doing some seracuting and, uh, he's put quite a bit of money into, um, equipment to do this. was thinking about doing it as a business and someone told him that he has to have a, uh, some type of an FFL yeah. to do that. Yeah. If, if, if you're going to, even as a, a gunsmith or a seracoder, you know, painter, um, the, if you're going to take guns in and the customer isn't going to be there the whole time you're working on the gun, in other words, you're going to essentially take it into your possession, um, then you have to treat that like FFLs do in terms of sort of taking it into your quote-unquote inventory, having an acquisition and disposition log, which which FFLs are required to do. So, yeah, you know, in, in order to really have any kind of volume um, and a drop-off service where people can drop off guns, you work on them, they can come back and pick them up. Yeah, you need to have a federal firearms license. Okay. All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Brian. He's waiting patiently. Brian, we got Guy Relford here. Go ahead. 
Hey, guys, how you doing? Good, man. Hey, my, I've had a buddy that passed away, and the people that live with him had a few guns, and they wanted to give them to me. Now, I don't know exactly the original purchaser of these guns. What should I do? Well, if, if, unless there's some indication that they're illegal guns, like they were stolen or they have uh, obliterated serial numbers uh, or something along those lines, or they're you know unregistered NFA items like uh, machine guns or short-barreled rifles, which I doubt if any of that applies. But if you don't have any indication there's anything illegal about these guns, there, there's there's no ritual. I mean, um, I, you can transfer a gun in Indiana like you do a toaster. Um, you, somebody can, can, can give those to you. You don't have to go, quote unquote, register them or anything because we don't have registration of ordinary firearms like your typical pistol, rifle, shotguns in, Indi- in Indiana or at the federal level. So um, if they want to gift you those guns, they can gift you those guns. And as long as they don't have any indication um, that you're a prohibited possessor, like a felon or something like that. There's, nah. there's, there's nothing that prevents them from, from giving those guns to you. No strings attached. Yeah, one of them is a shockwave, so it's a short barrel shotgun. Well, yeah, yeah. See, be careful with the shockwave because this new final rule on pistol braces. And right. uh, if you pull this up, Google this, pull it up, and look at look at page 23 of this new final rule, um, because on this page, they actually call into question whether uh, so-called pistol grip-only non-shotgun firearms, which is what a shockwave has been classified as, it actually says, because they're not really intended to be fired one-handed, they're not really non-NFA items. It, that's, it's just one little reference to that, but I would be real nervous about my Shockwave or TAC-14, another similar right, or shotgun, right. I should say, um, because uh, because of this va- really vague, poorly written reference, um, ELC and the uh, final rule on pistol braces. But but anyway, right. but 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 for right now, I've never heard. You know, they've not said anything official. They're going to go after people with Shockwaves or similar, but um, I'd be a little concerned about it, given what they just said on Friday. Brian, thank right. you so much. Let's go to RJ. RJ, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. We've got Guy Relford here. Thank you very much. Uh, I was a, I'm a retired IPD. Uh, I was on for 40 years. And when I went on in the 60s, there was a statute that stated you could shoot a fleeing felon. So mm-hmm. if a guy comes in your house and he's running down the street, you know, he stole something out of your house, you could step out the door and, and shoot him as he's fleeing. I just want to know your opinion on that statute. Well, that that still exists. There's something called the fleeing felon rule that was actually first uh, considered by the Supreme Court of the United States as, as to whether that constituted excessive force. And then it's been codified in a lot of states, including in Indiana. And this is something where law enforcement can use deadly force in some circumstances where private citizen cannot. And for instance, our self-defense statute with reference to law enforcement only says that if if uh, a, a a dangerous criminal is fleeing and the officer has a good faith belief that they are a danger a threat to people in the area or to society generally um, they can use deadly force and it says after a warning if practicable which is interesting um, but after a, a warning uh, you know if available an officer can then use deadly force to stop a dangerous dangerous being important uh, who's fleeing that's actually codified in the Indiana self-defense statute and I want to emphasize that's for cops only that does not apply to a private citizen and we used to call that the open season on felon law <laughs> well, yeah yeah I don't I don't yeah I don't I don't know that our law enforcement would want to say that publicly but I understand RJ thank well, you let's go to okay. Zach Zach welcome to the hammer in Nigel show we got guy Relford here 
Hey, uh, I was just wondering if there's an actual chance for Indiana to pass House Bill 1117, protecting yeah. Indiana gun rights. Yeah, and for anybody who doesn't know, this was just filed. Of course, we're in our uh, barely the second week uh, of our legislative session here in Indiana. But what this does, it essentially makes Indiana on a statewide basis what a lot of people would call a Second Amendment sanctuary. And it's saying that uh, if there are certain laws that are, quote unquote, unconstitutional that infringe on our Second Amendment rights, then we're simply not going to enforce those in Indiana. I just had somebody send me a link on that today. Um, it, it was introduced introduced by our new representative Sweets. Um, so I, I kind of like where her heart is. I want to go through it. Sometimes those can be purely symbolic. Um, but the, what I read in just the summary is that it would prevent uh, local law enforcement from cooperating with federal law enforcement on infringing unconstitutional gun laws in Indiana. Question always becomes, of course, you know, how exactly you determine what's constitutional and what's not when a court hasn't ruled on that issue. Um, but I love where her heart is on this. Uh, I like what the goal is. But the devil is always in the details, so I want to get through that. And, and I'll be talking about that more in a lot more detail on my show on Saturday. Zach, thank right. you. And for those who may have missed earlier in the show where Guy does his normal Monday segment, Monday Gun Day, he did discuss the Beach Grove toddler yeah. situation, as well as the uh, situation with the ATF and pistol braces. And we'll replay that coming up here uh, probably about 6.15. So if you missed that, stick around and you'll get a full breakdown. Uh, let's go to Brian. Brian, we'll give you the last call here. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. The gun guy's here. Well, thanks for taking my call. question I have is my brother lives in Illinois, and with all the new laws that were passed in Illinois that goes into effect later this year, he was asking if he could buy a safe, put it in my house here in Indiana, and bring some of his guns here. And, and, and I'm sorry, and I missed, where does he live now? Illinois. Yeah, well, he can't transfer the guns to you, quote unquote, because you can't do that to a resident of another state. Um and, and and this is probably belt and suspenders and people will roll their eyes at me because if you just load them up in the trunk of a car, um, that you know who's going to necessarily know that? And there are ways to legally transport guns across the country uh, in a vehicle. Um, the cleanest way to do it would be potentially to send them to an FFL here and then you go pick them up after a background check. Um, but if you can get them here legally, if you're not actually, if he's not actually transferring them to you and, and he's just having you store them, uh, for him, um, there, there's I'm sure there's a way to do that legally and would probably be just fine. But some of that's going to come down to the logistics of uh, is it a transfer to you or is it just storage in Indiana? Um, you got to worry about Illinois law as well, um, and then federal law on transferring a gun to a, a resident of a different state. So there there are a few ins and outs there I, I'd want to look at before giving you a definitive answer. But I'll tell you there's there's definitely a way to do it legally with uh, jumping through a few hoops. Brian, thank you so much and thank you for your calls we'll do it again next time guy relford fills in for nige because you never know when nige is going to be gone let's be honest it's the <laughs> hammer and nigel show right now we have got 41 at the american standard heating weather center at 93 wibc the hammer and nigel show ah! it was horrible 93 wibc So coming up after six, if you missed anything earlier, we will reset Guy Relfort's thoughts on that viral video that's going around 
that a lot of people watched live on Saturday night of that toddler in Beach Grove with the firearm. The dad has been arrested. We'll get guys' thoughts on that coming up here a little bit after 6 o'clock, as well as the uh, weekend crime numbers here from Indy. But a couple things we're celebrating today. Martin Luther King Day. Again, day to sit back and do a little research, do a little homework on the teachings of Dr. King. And it's also A.J. Foyt's birthday, four-time Indy 500 legend, super tech, one of the great red asses of all time. So here are some words of wisdom from A.J. Foyt. Hammer and Nigel present Words of Wisdom with A.J. Foyt. All I've had is mechanical problems. The guys aren't got their heads together and just flat got their heads up there. You won't know the truth about it. Words <laughs> of Wisdom with A.J. Foyt. 88 years old today. Now, you sent me a photo earlier on Twitter, Guy. We were talking about pageants. Um, they had the Miss Universe pageant over the weekend. We played the audio. It's probably about 15 years old now of Miss Teen South Carolina just butchering a question. <laughs> and you sent me a photo of, I believe it was Miss Carp Day from a few years ago. <laughs> I did. Well, because off the air, we were talking about pageants, and you said, I really want to do a Miss Carb Day. I want right. to host a Miss, which, by the way, would be fabulous. Hammer and Nigel's Miss Carb Day how, pageant. How do we not have this already? That's, why, that's my only <laughs> question. It makes no sense to me. We're not already already doing that. But when you said Miss Carb Day, it made me think of a, a photo I have on my phone that I took, and it's probably six years ago or so, but my, my my best buddy Chuck and I went to Carb Day, and we saw a concert. I want to say Leonard Skinner, if I'm not mistaken, but we're walking out, and as we're walking out, there's a, 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 a very, very attractive young lady, but she's passed out. And she's kind of laying, lying on one of the, like a railroad tie-like thing that lines one of the walkways. Um, she's sleeping, and, and she's kind of got her, her shirt pulled up to expose <laughs> her stomach, just her stomach. Um, and on her stomach, it says, beer me. And Somebody wrote like in a marker in a yeah, Sharpie, it, 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 beer me. So what she clearly was doing was walking around carb day. And she would, you know, lift up her shirt and, sh and show her tummy, and it would say "beer me." And clearly, people did. There were beers around her. It looked like there, she had too many beers. And, to but be she honest. was, but she was out. And she had a couple people kind of standing over, you know, watching her, make sure she was going to be okay. But, um, it's, it, but it's, it's, it's a hilarious picture with a beer me on her stomach. <laughs> and since it was taken at Carb Day, I had to share that with you as uh, my uh, my candidate, my nominee for Miss Carb Day <laughs> in perpetuity. So, I don't know how much Miley Cyrus you listen to, Guy. <laughs> like, I don't think you're out there working on the bike, you know, wearing the bandana, riding around the neighborhood, <laughs> pumping up some Miley Cyrus. Yeah, no. But I have to kind of tip my hat to her because I appreciate some good, salty payback. Like, I'm a payback is a blank kind of guy. Yeah. So, I guess her ex-husband, actor Liam Hensworth, now, this isn't Thor. This is like Thor's brother, right? So he was married to Miley Cyrus. And according to reports, cheated on her all the time. Miley found out they're not married anymore. He dedicated a Bruno Mars song to Miley Cyrus called When I Was Your Man. This was a song that Bruno Mars wrote. And Liam Hensworth dedicated that to Miley. So Miley's got a new album out. And she's taken parts of that song but she's modified it to give a finger to her ex-husband so we're going to mash the two together here take a listen i should have bought you flowers 
That's her new single. And can I point out, she filmed the video in the house where he cheated on her and dropped it on his birthday. So again, I don't care what you think about Miley Cyrus. I'm a man that enjoys some good old fashioned revenge. Well, you know, uh, you know, payback is, you know, the big B word, right? Right. But 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 here, first, my thought is, how much have we talked about this Helmsworth guy ever? And now suddenly we're sitting here talking about him. So I don't know. It may go back to kind of the the common rule in Hollywood and, and the entertainment industry. that There's no such thing as bad publicity. A whole lot of people's careers get greatly enhanced after they do something knuckleheaded or somebody brings them publicity that they think is going to be unwanted. That's true. Now, we like a good cover on this show. We, we like to hear famous artists doing songs from other famous artists. So, Guy, I'm going to play you some Miley Cyrus cover songs here. Tell me if any of these do anything for you, okay? Yeah, yeah okay. This is Miley Cyrus's version of Maneater from Hall & Oates. Move the needle. Oh, you got hell it. no. <laughs> and that is that is such a classic song by Hall and Oates, and they did such a fabulous job with it that no, that's weak. That was just incredibly weak. All right. How about the Eagles take it to the limit? Oh man. she's got an interesting voice i do yeah i mean the quality of of the vocal is there i mean she she does have an interesting voice but no man it's the eagles man so, leave that alone <laughs> now you sound like the dude from the big lebowski but in a positive yeah. way uh last one here miley doing a little led zeppelin hey hey mama said the way you move i'ma make you sweat i'ma make you Confused look in Guy Relford's face right now. If you're watching the webcam, you're getting the treat. <laughs> I'm just going to assume that doesn't move the needle for you either. Dude, there's 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 one band that can do Red, Led Zeppelin, <laughs> and that's Led Zeppelin, man. I, this is this is my era, man. This is this is what was going on. Hell no. All right, we have got uh, another hour to go. The Hammer and Nigel show. Guy Relford filling in for Big Nige. We've got some crime numbers. Guy's thoughts on the Beach Grove Gun Baby and more next. The Gun Baby. 